Welcome to WDFG, Dear Final Girl Radio, the advice and horror podcast where life problems have an answer. Now here are your hosts, Lori and Tamara. We should talk about that at the beginning. Yeah, well, nobody wants a metronome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe. Um, Cool. Hello, final girl. Hello, final girl. We we were just discussing the um, drawbacks of GarageBand. Yeah. Uh, which which I was gonna say which we used to put together the episode, but we don't. You do. <laughs> uh, credit where credit is due. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Flip, my Flip hair. that hair. Whip uh. that hair. Like who? Will Smith's daughter. <laughs> Willow. Willow. Oh, I want my okay. hair in the back. <laughs> hair back and forth. I want my hair. So but, garage, bond, garage, garage band always like kind of kicks up with the metronome yeah, because so, it's for musicians. Yeah. Um, which is great, I'm sure, for musicians, but probably gets annoying. I'm sure that there's a setting on there that I could just turn it off, like that it's not a preset, but whatever i'm just going to continue to be mad every time i make a recording <laughs> well that helps fuel our you know little armchair psychology discussion oh yes absolutely i feel <laughs> um and speaking of so welcome everyone oh, great segue yes welcome everyone welcome final girls final boys and final non-binaries yeah. to your latest episode um and we have uh, we're just gonna like kick this thing off, right, and like dive right into the letter. Our letter. Yeah. Uh, would you like to? Since I tend to sure. be extremely talkative, <laughs> would you like to kick us off? That's fine. Um, all right. Sure. Our letter. Well, I'm just gonna read it. Dear Final Girl, I just subscribed to your show. Hope you can help me. I get super anxious when dealing with an upcoming event or task, big or small, and spend days dreading it beforehand. I just want to worry less, but every free moment I'm running scenarios through my head to try to be prepared, obsessing, and thinking of how badly things can go wrong. It makes me it makes me terrible company for myself as well as others, and I hate making plans even to do something fun because of this. Any suggestions? Sincerely anxious. Anxious in Tennessee. So, which, local know, girl. Yeah. Local girl. We always appreciate locals. Maybe local boy. I don't know. That's true. Well, we know who it's from. But <laughs> right, we're right, We're not right. saying. Yeah. But um, I, I relate to this. Do you relate to this? <sighs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, like, the first thought that went through my head was like, well, you know, maybe just don't smoke so much pot. But But that would help. That should help, right? But then it would demotivate you. Listen, it depends on who you are because, like, my, my, well, I'm not a teacher anymore, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, so back when, if I ever smoked, I would just get so paranoid, so paranoid, and, like, I, like, I really agree with the terrible company for myself and for everybody else. Like I could, I couldn't stand being around myself. So why would anyone else want to be around me? 
Um, while she's in that state of of like I want to go, but I'm I now I don't want to go, and I'm nervous and I'm scared, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. my excitement has turned to dread, mm-hmm. and all of those things. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, that is what you brought up is something that we have not yet explored on the show, which is <laughs> the role to which or or the degree to which. Uh, our writers may or may not be medicated mm. by whatever substance at any given time, um, you know, <laughs> prescribed or self-medicated. Well, the so impact funny of that. you should say that because <laughs> when I stopped smoking pot and was able to drink alcohol, I was like, well, not going to go back because alcohol had the opposite effect it uh, made me want to yeah. go out and see people maybe, inhibiting yeah. yeah 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 so yeah um i'm not saying that alcohol is a you know is a cure to your problems anxious uh <laughs> right. let me start off by saying that but speaking from a you know fairly recovered excess drinker myself <laughs> i would have to agree with yeah, that statement yeah. causes its own problems the, the anxiety is sort of like a a post-anxiety then. It's like, oh shit, what did I say? What did I do? Who's in my bed? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, because you never know. Right, right, right. You never Uh, know. So we, we, we receive letters and then it, 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 it inspires us to think about a particular movie to watch or rewatch that might make for a helpful platform of discussion mm-hmm. for the topic at hand. And so the movie that we chose this week was Vertigo. Vertigo. <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock's, is it 57 or 58? I can't remember. I thought it was 56. Either one blows my mind because I feel like it was so ahead of its time mm-hmm. in the way that it told parts of the story and just the the palette of the story. Um, 58, you were right. 58. I, I knew it was before Psycho, two years before Psycho. Oh, okay. So, um, plot summary? Should I do my Yeah, role? go for it. Every, I sporadically am disciplined enough to write plot summaries, and this <laughs> week I have one. Yeah. So. Thank you for doing that. You're welcome. So, Vertigo. So, Jimmy Stewart is John Scotty Ferguson. That is my new cat scratching in the background. Um, So, Scotty is a police detective forced to retire due to a case of debilitating vertigo. This is after a fellow cop's death during a rooftop chase. Recovering with the help of his longtime gal pal, Midge... Um, who was also his one-time fiancé, who's still very much in love with him. Um, Scotty is hired by an old college pal named Gavin Elster to tail Elster's wife, Madeline. Madeline is played by Kim Novak, who, unbeknownst to her, appears to be possessed by the spirit of her suicidal great-grandmother, Carlotta Valdez. Um, Madeline links places, or she visits places that are linked to Carlotta, but has no memory of having visited any of them, nor is she aware that she's, like, overtaken by this presence. Right. So, um, now tailing Madikin, uh, Madikin, <laughs> Madeline, <laughs> Scotty saves her after she throws herself into San Francisco Bay. 
flash forward, the two fall in love very quickly, I might add. Uh-huh. Uh, but Madeline's waking nightmare continues, culminating in what appears to be an intentional plunge to her death from the rooftop of a Spanish mission tower, while a powerless Scotty, still debilitated by his vertigo, looks on. But it's all a ruse. So we discuss, we don't, we do spoilers here. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So it's all a ruse. Spoilers don't exist. Spoiler, no. <laughs> life is a spo- life is one big series of fucking spoilers. Guess what? You're gonna die. Guess what? <laughs> so speaking Happy. of dying, uh, Madeline Elster is actually Judy Barton, who has been hired by Gavin Elster as a stand-in for his wife, who he he wants to murder. Mm-hmm. So it is actually the real wife. Uh, who has been thrown, mm-hmm. unbeknownst to Scotty, from this mission tower. Some months later, Scotty spies a woman who looks like the brunette version of Madeline Elster walking the streets of San Francisco. He woos her because he's completely obsessed with Madeline, which mm-hmm. we will get into. Um, he woos her. He then convinces Judy to adopt Madeline's hair color, her clothing, her manner, everything. Ultimately, he discovers that Judy and Madeline are, in fact, the same woman and that it's been a big scam intentionally on him, capitalizing on the fact that he has vertigo and would not have been able to save mm-hmm. um, Ulster's, Ulster's real wife. So what this leads to is another rooftop confrontation at the same Spanish mission where Scotty does overcome his vertigo, but he loses the woman he loves yet again as Madeline slash Judy also falls from the tower and plummets to her death. Mm-hmm. So, um, not your typical final girl movie, for sure. No. <clears throat> but the female characters are a very strong presence in this film, and it just fits so well, um, we thought, with with this week's letter. Um, yeah. Uh, and... I mean, as we've said every episode, final girls, final boys, final non-binaries. And I think that opening up the idea of the survivor um, to both men and uh, people in transition or whatever, you know. Right. Um, Yeah, I didn't and I didn't even think I didn't even think about that. But that's true. Um. Gosh, there's so much going on <laughs> in this movie. There is. Um, there, like, uh, I, I had never seen this movie before, which happens a lot on this show. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so when there was the reveal that Madeline, or sorry, that Judy is Madeline when she's writing the letter. Mm. She's writing this letter and she's like, it was me the whole time. Gavin made me do it. He paid me, whatever. And... I didn't count on falling in love with you. Right, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm just going to run away. And then she... Like, that whole letter, I... My jaw was on the ground. That is so cool. What? She's an actress? Like... Although it felt like the this is all a dream oh, a little bit. Yeah. Except for, okay, that would have felt like I was tricked, obviously. Like mm-hmm. it was a, a, a cheap trick until 
Not to be confused with the band, but right, right, right. right. Sorry. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. Not not cheap trick, but a cheap trick. <laughs> um, until Scotty starts to figure it out. Yeah. And once it's hard to tell whether his obsession at the end is him actually figuring it out and being like, I know this is the woman, but if I can put her back in all of the clothes, then Mm. she'll admit it to me. Or if it really is like a psychological obsession. That's interesting because I never got the impression and this is, and I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm right or wrong. It's just, I never got the impression that he knew it was the same person until Judy puts on that necklace. I forgot about the necklace. Right, right, right. Yeah, and the necklace was, so basically, when when we know her as Madeline, Madeline visits all these places where um, this old presence, Carlotta Valdez, where, where she has, has had history. In one case, there is a, a portrait of Carlotta in mm-hmm. a museum, and in the portrait, Carlotta is wearing this this very or she's wearing what we would call today statement jewelry. Oh yes. Um, um, so this statement huge necklace, rubies, yeah, big ass and gold, gold mm-hmm. yeah. And so you know that was part of that was part of Madeline, quote unquote Madeline. And I won't do that anymore. But quote unquote, at this point, quote unquote Madeline. <laughs> she'll just do air quotes. Yeah, I'll just I'll air be quotes. With yeah, her. she'll be yeah. But, <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So she, you know, Madeline as part of her act had certain props and she had this same jewelry Mm -hmm. that Carlotta, who she was presumably possessed by, um, would wear. And, you know, Gavin, her husband, talks early on about she has this jewelry and she'll look at it and touch it. She's kind of transported to this, this other place and she's... She's she's no longer my wife. When she goes to these places, and at this point we don't know that it's an act, but he's right. describing his wife and saying when she goes to these places, she is no longer my wife. And that, you know, we had already picked the movie, of course, but as we watched the movie, when I heard that line, I thought very much about Anxious in Tennessee. And... Like her her state, and how it changes from excitement over doing something mm-hmm. to a growing sense of dread, mm-hmm. and I would say that when that begins to happen, because I think the original impulse is really sort of like the life impulse and the strongest one. I right. want to do things. I want to live. Yeah. I'm excited about this. Mm-hmm. But then, much like. Carlotta taking over Madeline air quotes. Air quotes. You can hear you'll you can hear air quotes. Yeah, it's absolutely. obvious. Um, this feeling of dread yeah. takes over our letter writer, mm-hmm. and she's no longer herself. She right. is becoming a fearful person, mm-hmm. and that's not the entirety of who she is. That's only part of who she is. Right. So that that really that was this theme of this of fixation. And how we become frozen in a particular way of, of mm-hmm. thinking um, is true of, of, of Madeline. It's true of Jimmy Stewart's character. 
Um, and that, that, that theme really, that's where I took the most of my notes was really around, around that. Um, yeah, uh, I think that, um, okay, so we've talked about Scotty, we've talked about Madeline, we've talked a little bit about, um, Gavin. Mm Mm-hmm. Can we talk about Midge? Yeah. Oh, my God, Midge. Okay. Midge, Midge, again, is Jimmy Stewart's gal pal. They were once engaged. For, like, three days for in like, college. Yeah. She's still very much in love with him. And it's an open thing between mm-hmm. them. She's like, you know, she says at the beginning, you you know, he's like, how's your love life, Midge? You know, and she's like, oh, it's following a train of thought. And you know there's only one man for me, and it's him. Mm-hmm. Um, but So go ahead. That, so that's Midge. So Well, there is an eerie resemblance between Midge and Madeline. Uh, and, I guess, you know, Judy. Mm-hmm. Um, not so, like, eyebrow goals with Madeline. <laughs> Uh, like Madeline has, oh my God, eyebrow. intense eyebrows, eyebrow like, goals achieved. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, take your upvote, achievement mm. unlocked. Mm. Um, but then, um, yeah. So Midge Wood, um, she's you know she's a career woman. She's yeah, got pretty much everything that Scotty would want, except for like the mystery and the helplessness apparently, because there, there does seem to be some part of Scotty's um, personality that like being the detective and failing to help his friend that caused his um, leaving the force. And like, he kind of feels sorry for himself, I think a little bit in that way. Um, And then when he sees this Madeline, um, he sort of is like, oh, she needs me to take care of her, you know? She jumps into the ocean, and it's like Gavin was playing off of that. He's playing off of a couple of things about Scotty. Old college friend. uh, He is, uh, like, just drawn to people who need help. Um, Also, you know... As a detective, he's trusted by the cops, so the cops are going to listen to what he has to say That's, when he becomes yeah. that witness. That's right. Um, and, you know, he's, he's of course, because he has vertigo, and the plan is to for Gavin to throw his real wife mm-hmm. off of this mission tower. He knows Jimmy Stewart will not be able to follow right. and save. So, yeah. you know, he's got alibi, he's got... M.O., he's got all that stuff. Yeah. So then so Midge. Midge is, she is kind of excited about this um, relationship or this, not even relationship, this case that Scotty is on because right. she's like, oh, this is interesting. You know, it's a ghost story, right? Yeah. And then... She does the stupid thing of painting herself as Carlotta. Yes. Wit and and then Sky's like it's not funny, Midge. And she has this uh, meltdown. Yeah. Oh and, shit! What did oh I do? Oh my god! I the, can't, you're so stupid, Midge. There's so much emotional vulnerability in mm-hmm. that scene. Mm-hmm. But then we never hear from her again. We do. Yes, we do. Yes, when? we do. <clears throat> 
Okay, so after the, but only briefly. So she, and even so, this is, it's important to talk about her. So, Madeline. Uh-huh. Madeline has died. Um, Jimmy Stewart's basically in a sanatorium. I mean, he's had a complete oh, right, mental right, health right, right, breakdown. Right, right, right. She's visiting him in the hospital. Yeah, she's right. helping him recover, bringing him Mozart. And she's telling the doctor, hey, look. I don't think all the Mozart in the world is going to help cure him because he was in love with this woman. Mm -hmm. He's still in love with this woman. Mm -hmm. And basically, I don't know, in the beginning, they talk about how he's going to ultimately be able to recover from his vertigo. Right. When that was his only problem and not his dead lover, you know. Right. Um, And and what is said is that it's going to take another emotional shock. Which we don't realize until later is foreshadowing. Well, right. well, we if we're halfway intelligent moviegoers, we know that that's foreshadowing. Yeah, I was like, well, okay, what's the other shot? Yeah, gonna what's be? the other right. shot going to be? And he has several, but still, but with her, I mean, she's it isn't. I mean, she's this independent career woman. I I, lo- I love what you said about like she has all these qualities. You know that that would make her an incredibly attractive partner. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's independent, but maybe he, maybe he doesn't want that, right? Because Madeline is is not independent at all. I mean, she's. I was I was commenting to a friend about this movie and about the scene where there's basically like an, a very informal looking inquest. And, and, you know, just just an upstairs room. Yeah, just hanging out in this attic, like, you know. (laughs) Did it happen in the same, like, church? That's what I thought. That the... At the scene of the crime, that's Jesus. what I thought. Nice. Like it does, it did seem like it was like, is this in the mission? <laughs> or yeah. they're having so Madeline has died. There's an inquest into the matter. Jimmy Stewart is held not legally culpable, but certainly not blameless. Right. And I had commented to the friend that like, well, it's not you know, it's not his fault. I mean, he couldn't go to the top because of his vertigo. Mm-hmm. And and my friend said, but. Like, all along, he knew that she was, or believed, that she was in danger. I mean, he she tried to kill herself. Mm-hmm. He knows she's in this incredibly vulnerable state, and yet he continues to believe he's the one mm-hmm. who can save her and help her. And so I was like, wow, yeah, I mean, he is more culpable mm-hmm. um, than I had really originally thought. Um <clears throat> Yeah, and what's interesting, too, is that Judy Barton, you know, the the alter ego, you know, Madeline, the real Madeline, well, what, I don't know. Judy Barton is the real person, and Madeline is the part that she's played, right? Right. So, Judy Barton works at a department store downtown. She lives in this hotel, and she's, you know, she's got her own place. She's doing pretty well. Sure, uh, what's his name? Galvin Elster uh, paid her some money to do this whole thing. Mm-hmm. But um, she's taking care of herself. And then Scotty says, let me take care of you. Yeah. And then he puts her back in the suit. He dyes her hair again. He gets her nails done. Um and the makeup 
everything. Yeah, and she turns her back into Madeline, the helpless person. Yeah. And she said, if I do it, would you love me? Yeah. And, like, it's interesting, and I don't know that it's a actual commentary on, like, men who are afraid of independent women hmm. or if it's just a common it's if that's like me looking at it from a 2019 lens rather than a you know 1958 lens where in 1958 well it's just an obsession and he's unhealthy but you know He'll take care of her. It's good for her since he's taking right. care Let of her. Let me just take care of you. Ugh. And actually, <clears throat> I don't think Go it's... Go up the stairs, Judy, and I'll follow. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. And I don't think it's far afield to think that that's a theme because when Scotty first learns more of the history of Carlotta Valdez and this this backstory that's haunting Madeline. Mm, mm. Um, he goes to this man who's who works at a bookstore. <laughs> the Argosy bookshop the Ar- pops something. Yeah, I couldn't get pop, the, yeah, I know I couldn't, couldn't get, get that name, name. But it, so so who Midge has recommended, who Midge knows. Mm-hmm. And <gasps> Midge reads books? Oh my, oh god. my god. Well no wonder she's is such her. a dangerous person. <laughs> Shout out to Demi, Jimmy Detroit, one of my good friends on Twitter, who's very happy, by the way, that women have been legally allowed to learn how to read yeah, and write. That's good. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know if we'd be able to him do for this. That. If... I know. I don't. I really, I think it just happened like right. We had the, <laughs> you know, we, we've we just got a moment of empowerment and then we decided to do this thing. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so love you, Jimmy. Yesterday. You're awesome. You're absolutely awesome. And I know that you're tongue in cheek and kidding. So. Um, so it is when, when this guy pop or whatever his name is, Mm -hmm. he's telling Carlotta's backstory and he's saying that, you know, the man that Carlotta was involved with, he basically dumped her. Mm -hmm. She became pregnant. I don't know if they were married. I didn't get the sense that they were. No. And he took the child and the guy even says, pop even says, because back, you know, in those days, a man could do that. Right. A man could just take the child. Mm-hmm. And he kept the child and he threw her away. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, you know, independence, who's, who's going to help you? How much do we, how much do we help ourselves? Um, how are we overtaken by fears, anxieties, life scenarios, mm-hmm. the degree to which we become, those things can become so powerful, whether it's vertigo, whether it's a dead, the the ghost of a dead person, right. whether it's obsessive love, whether it's anxious in Tennessee, these are the, the, the social anxiety, mm-hmm. that you become fixed in a moment and you can't it's difficult to escape that moment um kind of like the fight flight or freeze and i feel like the letter and the themes in the movie are very much about freeze right right. you're you're really you're feeling stuck right and if i can if i can recreate yeah and i think that a lot of obsessions tend to, um, 
question. This is my definitely non-medical opinion, but um, I have had relationships with um, uh, people who have struggled with um, obsessive behavior. Yeah. And obsessions can kind of... <laughs> my, my husband, who is who does... Ex- um, demonstrate certain uh, patterns and behaviors that he's fixed very much to. It was just raised his hand. Self-identifying in the kitchen. He's uh, in the kit. Can I just say that while my friend Tamara and I are doing this strong independent woman podcast, that my husband is in the kitchen cooking his ass off. Can I just say all that? I'm, yeah, I'm impressed with him. He Shout out to Ken. He an, made some great um, yeah. little egg hash brown cups yeah, that we that we just scarfed consumed. down before. Which actually he is a way better wife than I am, I just wanna say. <laughs> <laughs> Babe, do you wanna make a guest spot? Uh, no, he's like, okay. Right. Ah, okay, there right, it not is. this time. There we go. Um so uh, obsessive like been in oh, right, right, right. Yeah. That I feel like a lot of that is well if there's there's a little bit of magical thinking, right, that we, mm. we attribute to children, but like, oh, Ew. mommy was nice to me when I wore my blue shirt. I'm going to wear the blue shirt so that mommy will be nice to me in the future. Yeah. Um, but also the feeling that if we can do the same things over and over again, we can keep things the same. And like to some extent, yeah, that's true. You know, like I make the same breakfast for the entire week, every Sunday, because I know that it keeps me from getting ravenous by 11.30 when I'm supposed to eat lunch. Yeah. So there are things that we can control like that, but there are so many other things in the world that we can't control that if we try to use our own actions to control them, it's, it's a, it's a, it's futile. It's it's never going to happen. Yeah, so. it's and and it makes me think. <clears throat> I kind of think about the like this 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 force of like conservatism and preservation mm-hmm. that we operate, and it, it ties to what you said that it's like this good thing happened, and it was a very powerful, strong good thing, and therefore all future good things should look like that. Right. And when we do that, we shut ourselves off from other possibilities that are going to be different because you ne- you're never going to have the exact same experience twice. Mm-hmm. But you're closing yourself off to another to something that might be even better. Yeah. Or but it's the idea that once you have the good thing, then you must hold on to it, you know, to the hold very... Hold on loosely, <laughs> but don't let it go. Is that cheap trick? Um, no, uh, oh God, all right. I, there are listeners out there who are like, it's this, we know, know. come on. I'm looking it up, <laughs> goddammit. <damn it. laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's that, it's that, I don't think any of us really, if you, if you just asked... You know, if you just asked me on the street, any one of us, hey, do you always want your future good things to look exactly like the old good things? Like, yeah. is that what you're actually going for? <laughs> no, it isn't. But we, it is so easy. These patterns of the mind 
And and that that really, I mean, that ties in with the movie, just these patterns of the mind, patterns of thinking. And the fact that our letter writer, and I totally identified with this because I actually used to be this, to, I used to be more this way. Same thing. Oh, so excited. I'm going to go. I can't wait. I'm going to do this cool thing. Mm -hmm. The closer it gets, start to dread, dread, Mm -hmm. dread. And then sometimes it would lead even up to like, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. And, um... Uh, it's 38 special. 38 special, <laughs> yeah. So, but I'm, I'm totally with you. And while I don't struggle so much with the... Um, I don't struggle so much with that on a social level. I struggle with that on a project level. Okay. So like us doing this, yeah. like it scares the shit out of me a lot of times because I never know. Uh well <laughs> I would never know that. Well part like, you know, I don't want to screw up. I don't want to fuck up. Yeah, so um, and when things get complicated and actually part of the reason that I said yes to this and yes to a whole bunch of other things that are now, you know, fairly big projects in my life right now are because I was like, you know what, I'm just going to say yes because I want to do them and then I will, if shit goes sideways, then I'll figure it out then. Yeah. Because yeah. my my first response is to be like, no, that's scary and new. And yeah. a lot of that is my perfectionism. Like, scary, new, not going to do it. Um yeah. And I think it's so interesting through doing this podcast is that I, I would say that you and I have learned that our perfectionism, we both have it, and it comes out in different ways. Yeah. We're perfectionist about different things, uh-huh. which I think works well, and we've yeah. talked about it, mm-hmm. which is also mm-hmm. extremely cool because we're very good friends, and I love you very yeah. much. Um, <clears throat> yes, I, you know, it's that it's that quote, like, feel the fear and do it anyway Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. because well that's bravery that is bravery that is like just be courageous no matter how you feel because 99.9 percent of the time you're if you do the thing you are going to look back and you are going to be like I am so glad that I Mm -hmm, did that mm -hmm. like I am versus looking back and going I wish I had done that. I wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. Why did I not do that? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there were a lot of, <clears throat> I don't know if this is a good segue, but I'm just thinking yeah. of it. Um, a lot of good quotes that, you know, speak to Ooh. things that, you know, of course, after the fact, we had chosen the movie and then I, I noted these quotes along the way. So Scotty says, when he's talking about his vertigo, you know, I don't know if I if I have the courage to try, mm-hmm. you know, to get over this. Mm-hmm. When he's talking about try, before Mad before Madeline um, dies, you know, he says, if I could just find the key, you know, it would explain it. I can find the key if I could just find the key to what's going on with you, and I could help. We could help solve this. I you could know. fix you. I could fix you. Uh, oh, and no one possesses you. You're safe with me. Well, isn't that its own kind of possession? Oh God, which he yes. goes on to want to possess 
Judy. Right. Oh, my God. He's always wanting her to look more and more like Madeline. I was joking to my friend because he keeps saying, it can't mean anything to you to wear these clothes I want you to wear. <laughs> it can't It can't mean anything to you to change your hair from brunette to ice blonde. Max is watching this movie uh, as well. And the next morning, he's, it can't mean anything to you, Was Judy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm like, I'm like, I want, what are you saying? Oh, right. The we need to do t-shirts. Yeah, can't it can't mean, mean anything, anything to you, Judy. Judy. Like, uh, are you... Change your name. Yeah. It can't mean... I want to start calling you Madeline. It can't possibly mean no, anything to you. No. <laughs> well, it worked until you brought out the necklace. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so do you have any more quotes? Um, just a couple more. Cool. Gavin, the husband. Uh, I think I may have mentioned these when he's spinning this yarn, which is not true. It's part of the plot to uh-huh. trap Scotty. Um, he talks about Madeline. When she goes to these places, she's not my wife. She goes into this other world. Do you believe that someone can take, and I would say someone or something, yeah. can take possession of another person? And I think this all speaks to the... The, um, the emotional turmoil that Anxious in Tennessee is experiencing as she plans events, begin, is excited, begins to dread them. She's going to another world. Something is in possession of her mm-hmm. that causes this very radical and dramatic shift from excitement, empowerment, I'm going to do something, to... I'm scared. I don't want to do it. And maybe I'm going to stay at home. Mm-hmm. So, you yeah. know. So, I think that that's really poignant because, I mean, I don't know if you know the this thing that the kids are saying, but getting, <laughs> getting in your own feels. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I think, I feel like anxiety is at least for me, can be very much a rumination, me yes. getting into my own feelings and forgetting for however long that I am not my feelings. Yeah. I am not my fear. My fear is something that can, that if I let it, it can overtake me. But if I can have a touchstone to remind myself Hey, you're, this is fear, naming it, and then you can say, hey, thanks, fear. I know that you do good things to keep me safe. Right. But I know that this situation is safe, so let's just hang out. Right. And that's oh, really God, good. There's, okay, so there's like a common psychology thing. And maybe it's uh, maybe it's Elizabeth Gilbert in um, Big Magic, where she's talking about how writers need fear because fear keeps us safe. Yeah. That fear can come along for the ride, mm. but fear doesn't get to drive the car. Ooh, I love that. And I love that. Uh, Elizabeth Gilbert. If you're listening to this and I'm misquoting you, I'm so sorry. And if it's somebody else, maybe it's Brene Brown. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost positive it's Liz Gilbert in uh, Big Magic. But that's a really helpful thing for me because to, for your therapist or anyone to say, hey, you're not your feelings. 
is like, well, yeah, but I'm caught up in this right now. Yeah. But it's really helpful for me, and I use journaling to do this, and we've talked about that on previous podcasts, it's, but it's really helpful for me to name the feeling. Mm-hmm. And that means that it's now not me. It's something right. else that I can name that's outside of me. Absolutely. I think that is absolutely awesome. A couple things came to, I love that. Just, it's along for the ride, but it's not driving, it's not driving the not car. Not driving the car. I love that. And it made me think of, you know, in meditation, the 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 advice, the direction is, you know, a, a thought is going to arise whether it be you're thinking, you start thinking about your grocery list in the middle of meditation, mm-hmm. or you start thinking about, oh God, that thing I said or that situation. But the idea is that it floats in and it floats out, and mm-hmm. you you let you let that process happen. The non-attachment. <clears throat> the non-attachment, and it kind of reminds me of um, like when you when you're in the ocean. And um, the water may be warm, but as the current moves, you know, they'll just, you'll be hit by this cold pocket. <laughs> Better than the other you way know, around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like by eaten by a shark, you know, something Jesus. swims past your leg. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it, it moves on. And current, right. you mm-hmm. know, I'm, oh man, I, this could sound really cheesy, but I kind of like it. Current is not only the moving water, mm-hmm. but current is also sort of like the now. Right now, the, the present. The current, mm-hmm. the present. And so it's just a matter of, well, it's not just a matter of, because if it was that easy, we wouldn't, we'd just be all solved. But I'm really excited and hey. bouncing and I had a thing. Okay, hey. sir, I didn't want to no, cut no, you no, off, please. but I, in the movie... When they go out to the bell tower the first time, mm-hmm. Madeline is driving the car. The obsession, the fear, the vertigo is driving oh. the car. The And then, once he knows that Judy is Madeline, he's driving the car Ooh. out to the bell tower. He's saying, go up the stairs, Judy, and I'll follow. I'm, yeah. I don't know. That's, yeah. that's a really bad Jimmy <laughs> Sweetie. Story. Yeah. Sweetie. <laughs> um, so he he's the one that's driving the car. He's the one that's making the decisions. And ultimately, it's at that point that he overcomes his vertigo. Part of it is anger. Part of it is frustration. Um, but also a lot of it is hope. I was going to ask you, because I haven't figured this out for myself, my interpretation. What is his goal? Is his goal, obviously, I mean, I think one of, one of his goals is clearly when he takes Judy up there, it's like, I'm going to get over this vertigo. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> do you Do you think there's any part of his mind that is like, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to end this old story for you and I, too. And that maybe we could go on from here and create a new life together. Create a new ending. To create a new ending. Do you think, or being an an intelligent man and we as perceptive film viewers, how can can you ever really think that there's an ending other than... 
something that's not tragic. Or... So I, I thought it was hopeful in that he wanted to go up there and see if he could rewrite the ending. But also, he's a detective, and he hadn't been up to the scene of the crime. And so once he found out that Judy was Madeline, he had to go see the scene of the crime. He had to go see where it happened and put it together. Um, and I think that his, I don't, I don't know that he had a, what's going to happen after this. Yeah. Although let me say that when the nun comes up from the, it was terrifying. That was creepy because I thought maybe it was someone playing a nun, like... <gasps> Jesus! <laughs> we are, rec- we are recording right now. Sorry. Jesus. Ken just came in the back door and scared the shit out of me. Um, okay. Uh, we're talking about ghost stories and yeah. a nun literally just, you know, coming up from nowhere, a shadowy thank you, nun. Thank you for the jump scare, babe. Now get your ass back in the kitchen where you belong. <laughs> As I twisted your nipple off, almost. Yeah, I was mad at you. Um, Anyway, um, my cover is blown. Everybody thinks I'm sweet and nice out there. Really not. (laughs) She gives her husband purple nurples. Yeah, purple nurple. Hardcore. Um, But yeah, that was scary. I I wasn't sure that I thought, uh, who is, is this a player, another player in the drama? Or, you know, okay, so the whole thing's a ghost story. Mm-hmm. They're back at the bell tower where mm. Conchetta, right? That's the... Carlotta. Know. Carlotta, yeah. I don't know why I, I said I like Conchetta. Conchetta. <laughs> it sounds, sounds like, like a cheddar. brand of pasta or something. <laughs> yeah. Conchetta. Um, yeah, but where Carlotta committed suicide, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, you know, maybe it was the ghost of Carlotta. Oh. Um, which I guess is why Judy jumps or falls. Yeah, fall. I think falls. I don't think. She, I don't know. Yeah, I don't I think, want I it to be. Tr- I don't. I think, yeah, I think, I think she, she falls. falls. Can I talk about something else? Because yes. there, throughout this whole thing, there is this theme of the paintings. Yeah, yes. So there's the painting that Madeline goes and looks at when she's trying to convince uh, Scotty that she is Carlotta. Mm-hmm. There is the painting that Midge paints herself as Carlotta. Uh, there is also, and I don't know if this was on purpose or not, but the forced perspective when we see Madeline's body on the rooftop for the first time, hmm. the bell tower looks like a painting. Yeah. And I was like, God, that looks so weird. And couldn't, wouldn't they have been able to figure out how to do a camera on a crane? Um, Cause there's other, I don't know. Anyways, I was like, yeah. that, that one looks like a painting. And then they go back and there's, it's like, uh, <laughs> it's a uh, evening and the sky looks like it's painted. Mm. And so there, it's almost this theme of an illusion that's going through the whole, uh, yeah. 
And also think about what, like what art is, is it's, you're basically taking inspiration and you are representing it in a way that will be to some degree fixed from that point forward. Right. You're create, you've, you have made permanent a moment in time. Mm-hmm. And then there are spectators and they have their interpretations. But no, I think that's a really important. I had noted the portrait as well, but I hadn't thought a lot about what it might mean. Um, yeah. Yeah, right. the artifici- some artificiality, uh-huh. what's real life. Well, and even when Midge, after, when Midge paints herself as Carlotta, but before we see it, <laughs> yeah. before we see it, she says, well, you know, like I'm actually decided not to work so hard and I've returned to my original love of painting. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, what is it? Like, a, is it a still life? And she's like, you know, of a sorts, of a sorts, a still life, something, Mm, mm -hmm. a fixed Mm -hmm. life, a fixed, um, which reminds me of her earlier quote where he's like, how's your love life? And she's like, it's following a train of thought. (laughs) Yeah, love, that is the best line (laughs) ever. That is the best line ever. But yeah, and now you, you are so good about noticing a lot of like the styling and cinematography <laughs> of me. I'm just Thanks. like, it's really beautiful, you know, but you, one thing, one thing, and I thought of you, I wondered if you noticed was the use of the color green. Oh yeah. yeah oh yeah, my yeah, gosh. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. probably any, any half dullard would have noticed, but it was striking. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't entirely. The green dress, the green car. Yeah. The green, he, he is wearing a green sweater. <coughs> Pardon me. Cons- I have green tuberculosis oh, or something. God, Jesus. <clears throat> um, and then when um, Judy as Madeline, um, after she's made her transformation, she there's that green yes. filter over just her on the doorway. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's totally smitten, and then he rubs his face on her face. I love these, you know, early... He's cheek, you know, like face fucking, you know. <laughs> you know, he's just mashing. And I yes. know a part of it is just like um, uh, the, the, what do they call it? The people who, the censors basically, like yeah. telling them don't. Don't make it too sexual, you know. Right, right. But still, like who convey desire? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And even before, there's that green haze when she, when he sees her, really as Madeline, almost walking out of the past. Right. Before she goes, before she goes full Madeline, (laughs) um, and she still has the brunette hair. There's also she's sitting. And the light from her hotel, from the from the electric sign outside, mm-hmm. is cast. And she, her the skin Empire is hotel. green. I mean, yeah. her she is completely. It's like she's the incredible oh. Hulkress. And when he first sees her, <clears throat> she's in a green skirt and sweater. Yep. Um, when he first sees Judy out on the street, also the uh, there's a lot of green in that hotel. Yeah. Where she's staying. Can we just talk about his behavior when he sees Judy <laughs> on the street. Perv. 
pervness. Yeah, like I, I wrote <laughs> down. I wrote down. Uh, goes to into hotel. Okay, so he go. He's out. Caesar at whoops, old lady. <laughs> so he like thinks that he sees her at his apartment, at her apartment, and oops, it's an old lady. Then he goes to oh, Ernie's right. restaurant, thinks he sees her again. It's not right. her. Then he's just. Then he goes to the art museum, the at the Palace of the Legion of Honor. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, it's some other woman. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote down like he's just wandering and staring at women. And like wandering is another one of yes, the themes. Yes. Because uh, they say before. Oh, he says only one is a wanderer. Two are going somewhere. Oh no, Madeline. She says, says that. that. Yeah. And he says not not necessarily. You know, two people can both be wandering. <laughs> and when Midge is asking him, Midge hasn't seen him for a while. What are you up to? Just wandering. <sighs> I like. I I want to just delve in. To that, because, you know, there's the whole, all who wander are not lost. But they're he's very, they're very lost people. They're all very yeah. lost people. But it's interest. it's just an interesting sub point. But. You're wondering. Oh, I was just going to say that he goes into the hotel empire, messes with the lady at the front desks, insists that he sees her room. Like, this behavior is not okay. Yeah. And I think, I don't think it was okay in 1958 either. You know, I I think that it's also, it's supposed to convey his obsession. Yes. But, like, how are these people just letting him get away with it? Yeah. You know? I mean, okay, obviously art museum and, you know, but the the woman at the, uh, at the apartment who's like, oh, I, I bought it. Where did you get this car? Oh, I, I bought it. You know, it's mine. And she she goes, oh, you must have known the poor man and his wife. Is, and is it true? Did, isn't it true that she, <laughs> and he's you like, know. I got to go. Yeah, <laughs> See you <yeah>. later. <laughs> None of your beeswax, lady. lady. Um, did, did you notice, okay, the woman we're talking about is when, after Madeline has died, uh, um, Jimmy Stewart's character notices the green car mm-hmm. is still at like this hotel, hotel, luxury hotel apartment where the Elsters had lived. Mm-hmm. Um, sees the green car that had been Madeline's car, and it turns out that a woman had had bought it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know, Jimmy Stewart's kind of accosting her like, "Where did where 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 where'd you where'd you get this car?" <laughs> That's my. <laughs> that's the best that's I good, could do. That's a good Jimmy not story. bad, not bad. Um, but yeah, and even and I'm try. I meant to rewatch this before we did our um, recording today. But the other thing I love about this movie, and I, I mean, I, I, I don't have the wherewithal because I haven't thought enough about it to link it to all the themes we've talked to in the letter. But those, the fucking title credits of this film just in, completely entranced me from the very beginning. There's also a middle section <clears throat> after he <laughs> after he has been found not guilty. Right. Um and he's have you know he's having a dream and it's it's essentially a a falling dream. I mean it, it just it capital it it just demonstrates his mental state. Mm-hmm. And there's the use of all of these colors, not just green, also red. Mm-hmm. Um 
And there's also, so there's some really iconic images in that yes. dream sequence. Yes. The one of his green, just the outline of his green face. With, with his hair blowing. Yeah. Um, and all of this is when he's in the hospital, right? I want to say it's before we, it's right before the scene where he see that he's in the hospital. Right. Because he wakes up right. from, from the dream, terrified. Well, and then the, and I feel like Mad Men, the TV show, oh. used the falling man. Now, the oh. falling man has been around for a long time, but right. I think, I, like, I've seen it in some 007 movies. I yes. Think. Um, but also in Mad Men, but also um, Don DeLillo wrote a book about the falling man, which was about the 9-11 yes. people throwing themselves out of the towers. Yes. Um, and there was the shot of the one man and he was captured upside mm-hmm. down. With legs bent, yeah. le- one of his le- like only one of his legs bent, almost like this crane. And I mean, in that moment, it looked like a man at peace. Uh-huh. I mean, that's something to project. He God, was terrible. But I mean, yeah, yeah. That that's that is fascinating. That is fascinating. Um, <clears throat> yeah. How much time we got, Tamara? Where are we in our little process here? I think we're about. Uh, we've got about ten minutes. Okay, I do. I, I love. I've got to. I've got to talk a little bit about just like the artistry of this film before we return to cool. the letter. Yeah. Those. What, what? What did you think of those title credits that opened the film? Did they? Were they particularly impactful for you? My thought was really like. You're talking about like the spinning geometric spirograph. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was what I thought about the spirograph, mm-hmm. and then also um, how. Well, I was thinking, gosh, how did they do that? You know, because the the ability, f- you know, they didn't have CGI like we do, right? right. So, which is why you know the the, the, painting, the painting of the bell tower. Um, but then also I was just thinking, has anyone done things like this before? Before Vertigo? Yeah. I wondered about that myself because, you know, it was 1958. And I remember thinking like, God, this just has such a modern feel, a modern feel. And I kept thinking that. I'm like, what I mean is contemporary. It has a, it has a contemporary... But I also wonder how much of that has to do with the fact that mid-century modern Mm -hmm. has so permeated current design culture and retro culture that it can appear contemporary. It can appear contemporary to us today because we've made we've pulled it into right. the contemporary as an aesthetic, and mm-hmm. I've always loved that aesthetic. But yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure the degree to which those kinds of things were done. I have to give some little. I'm not really trivia, just some credit. So the title sequence <clears throat> was done by the awesome Saul Bass. And I, he's he's one of he's one of those artists that like I like I could just I could have an obsession about him and his work if I could find the time. Right. He did the opening credits of a lot of 
Hitchcock films, including Psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, the score was done by Bernard Herman, who also did the score for Psycho and other Hitchcock films. I'm sorry. And I remember listening to the opening credits of Vertigo and thinking, God, this reminds me of of Cape Fear. Um, of the the score of Cape Fear, and sure enough, he did Cape Fear oh, as okay. well. So, I've never seen Psycho or Cape Fear. You have never seen Psycho? No, never seen Psycho. All right, let's get one of our crazy friends to write us a letter about feeling Psycho, <laughs> and then we can just do Psycho. Um, or actually, there'd be yeah, that's that would. Uh, be it's interesting that you bring up the music because again, Max was watching this with me and he said how incredible it is that in a lot of these old films there's just people walking around and just shots of things and nobody's talking yes. you just hear the music and it's yes and you know Max is like you know singing along with it but like i it, the music was beautiful. I don't know that I would have paid as much attention to it if Max hadn't pointed it out to me, but um, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, and I I remember thinking that too, there's so much quietness in the film, and it's this, maybe this leads us back to, to our letter. It's sort of like this, this field of silence um, uh, 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 out of which this drama plays. Mm-hmm. And that does make me think of the letter. Um, and um, the, the, our, our sort of emotional ground states and the, the feelings that arise, the feelings of excitement, how mm-hmm. they turn to dread, um, and how, what, just what you said, you know, the Elizabeth Gilbert, you know, the, the, the fear, the emotion, the unpleasantness, whatever it is, it can be along for the ride, but not, but not drive. And I um, think that, that goes not just for fear, but for all emotions. Yeah, like yeah exactly. That you need to be the one driving the car mm-hmm. and the emotions can be there and they can pipe up and say, hey, I'm here every once in a while. But yeah, you, um, and how you do that, how you find yourself behind the wheel or, you know, take the wheel over from fear um, is, is a difficult thing and something that um, I know that I've struggled with. Me too. To... To find, so. And I'll say, you know, we, we're always very careful on this show to say, like, look, we, we are not trained professionals. We are not licensed psychotherapists. <laughs> but we've been to a lot of therapy. Yeah, but we, we know, you know, we're secondhand. <laughs> secondhand mental health. But, but there are moments where I feel like, because I will speak from the experience of my own life, I feel like I can say something very strongly and direct directly which is anxious in Tennessee you must do the thing that scares you yeah. I must do the thing that scares you um you scares her. uh I well she must <laughs> I must you must okay, we okay. all must okay. <laughs> um, um yeah yeah and uh as long as it's safe right 
Absolutely. Like, uh, yeah. within the bounds of... Hey, there's this creepy guy who wants to date oh, me, and Jesus. I'm getting a scary vibe. I don't know, man. I don't mean... No, no. no. Hitchhiking, no. not okay. No, Stay don't out do of the that. woods. Yeah. Just... Don't park near <laughs> vans and, right, exactly. at night, you know. Um, but, you know, within the bounds of reasonable safety, going out with friends is safe. Yeah, you know? it is. It um, is. Have I mentioned... I may have mentioned this before, but, uh, you know... I went on a trip with Max uh, to South America, and yeah. my before we went, my dad said, "Yeah, you know, just remember, most of the world is a pretty safe place." And actually, on oh, that, that's amazing. That yeah, he said it that. was really, and I kept saying it to myself. We're standing at this bus stop at six in the morning, and um, it's like way outside of town. It's like basically a rural bus stop. And I was just like, most of the world is a pretty safe place. Most of the world, we had like tons of money, like cash in our pockets because we had to change money at the, um, at the airport. And then somehow you have to get into the city and try not to get robbed. Um, then, you know, there was actually a time where on that same trip where Max and I were like, we're just going to hike up this hill to, you know, go see a, a, a Jesus up on a mountain. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the big statues oh, of yeah. Jesus. Oh, yeah. We're just going to hike up to this hill. And well, if we go this way, it'll be a shortcut up halfway through the hill. And some guys on a couch were like, no, no, no. Turn around. And we we're like, we've heard a lot of like, hey, hey, hey through that whole two-week <laughs> trip. But these guys were like, no, turn around. And we're like, okay, cool. We get a uh, rickshaw, and then as we're taking that up the hill, we look down, and it's like murder slums. And we're like, oh, guys, oh, on the couch, Jesus. we're keeping us from getting murdered. So. Yeah, well, yeah, it, it's, I mean, it's it's hard to know. But I think when it comes to your, um, you know, the the kinds of weekly social plans that we make, <coughs> that that it, you, you know, it's feel the fear and do it anyway. You, yeah. Really, that is the only prescription. That is the only antidote. Mm-hmm. Is to do what you're afraid of. I do. I want to make one last. I, I I she didn't ask me to, but I wanted to make a shout out. To my friend Robin, oh, um, at Creepy's Robin on Twitter, she is a an, a founding member of Mutant Theater, an amazing friend of mine. I think I said on Twitter she had done this tarot. She did a tarot reading for me, and one of the things we talked about was like your shadow self, mm-hmm. sort of like your soul self, your shadow self, and then in this particular reading, the third card being. That which is going to help you bring into balance and reconcile those competing selves. Mm-hmm. And so, in in the letter this week, anxious in, in Tennessee very much mm-hmm. is grappling with com- competing dimensions mm-hmm. of herself. The part that who wants to live and experience and get out there and be brave, and the part that is afraid that wants to hide that need that has a need to feel safe Mm -hmm. um and i thought that was i thought it was important to bring that up for sure Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so cool cool i don't have uh anything else me neither (laughs) i do i do want to say um judy barton 
Oh, something. Okay, so this is when he goes into Judy's room, which also <laughs> not okay. Like, hey, yeah. lady, you know, let me. Just, I just let wanna, me just come in. Yeah, let me just come in for a minute. Like, no, Judy, you are allowed to say no. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but there is a point, and I don't know if they meant to do it intentionally or it was just the angle, but there's a point where Judy is looking at herself in the mirror and uh, Scotty's standing behind her and there's no reflection of him. Oh. It's really weird. And I know it's just the camera angle, but I was wondering if it was intentional. So, Hitchcock, if you're out there, you know. The not ghost three of Hitchcock. Times, yeah, not three <laughs> times if it was intentional. Yeah, and his, his daughter. Ooh. Oh, okay, it was. It was intentional. He has spoken from the grave. Yeah. Um, also wrote down. Is she remembering the bell tower? Was somebody else thrown? And I said, what? What? <laughs> She's an actress? Like, yeah. Okay. So. That was a startling moment for sure. Um, <laughs> so well, we've come to the end of yet another, what we always hope are compelling episodes <laughs> of Dear Final Girl. Yeah. Um, and so. There I was born and there I die. Oh. Sorry, I'm just reading all the quotes that I oh. had written down. When they're in the Redwoods. We just did, we didn't even talk about the redwood forest. Oh gosh, yeah. But there's a whole bunch there to unpack too. Anyway, definitely for sure. Um, well, so, in the meantime, you know, been a pleasure, final girl. You too. Stay alive out there. Yeah, stay alive out there, everybody. Bye. Bye. Hey, final girls, final boys, and final non-binaries. Tamara and I are honored to be your dear Abbies of horror, but that's all we are. People struggling just like you. We're not professionals. If you're in crisis, please reach out. We like to promote the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at suicidepreventionlifeline.org, phone number 1-800-273-8255. There's an online chat, and they're even on Twitter. Their profile is The Lifeline, and the handle is at 800-273-TALK. The Lifeline isn't just for life-threatening situations. It's free and confidential support for anyone who needs it at any time for any reason. Just know you're not alone. Tam and I wouldn't be doing this podcast if we hadn't been there, too. Take care.